Commutify presents Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Each week, we explore the challenging issues transportation demand management professionals face on their journey to transition commuters from driving alone to more sustainable, shared and active commuting habits. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify. This is Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Hi, everyone, and welcome aboard to the Between the Lines podcast. We're really excited to have you listening or watching today. We've got an interesting conversation, a little bit unorthodox from what we usually do. Um, so today we're talking with Mark Melnick. He is the manager of transportation operations for Starbucks um, and is, resp is responsible for delivering programming that meets the evolving needs of their commuter population. He has over 20 years of experience in TDM, focusing on developing innovative strategies that positively change commute behavior. And before joining Starbucks, Mark worked for Heinz on the Amazon account, um, implementing programs across North America. And he also has had previous stops that include the Seattle Department of Transportation or SDOT, um, where he develops performance targets for large employers. I think we might be talking a bit about some of the work he's been doing um, there, as well as with Swedish Hospital, um, where he actually helped them achieve their regulatory obligations for the first time in 30 years. Um, I like that in your bio. That's a nice stat. I like to hear it. Um, also, one of my favorite fun facts about Mark is that he's a member of the Washington State Department of Transportation's Wall of Fame for his trip reduction work with employers. Um, going back to some of the other conversations we've had about your trip reduction programs, he's the master of all of that. Um, and he's currently uh, the chair of the Association for Commuter Transportation or ACTS Employer Council, and also a recipient of their 40 Under 40 Award. So, I mean, it goes without saying, we're really excited to have you on today, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me on, Andy. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Perfect. And, and like I said, it's going to be a little bit of a weird conversation, a little bit unorthodox, because today we are talking about a specific solution. We are talking about why the commuter is going to help save the planet. So we're focusing on the actual commuter doing these commutes. Um, it's pretty exciting. So let's just kind of get started, Mark. Um, one of the things when we were talking before that you mentioned is, you know, commuting is a personal choice. So any solution really needs to speak directly to the individuals who we actually are depending on to make these changes. Um, so let's start, maybe this is an easy question. Why, why is commuting a personal choice? We make a lot of choices. Like why is it so important to really focus on this personal aspect of the commute? Yeah, you know, it. I, I put some thought into this, and I was thinking, well, what's that? You know, really, you know, scientific reason and rationale behind this being a, a personal choice, and really, it, there isn't one. It, it it is a personal choice. You go and you ask anyone when they show up to work, it's like, well, why did you drive today? Hopefully, they say it's because I chose to drive, and not someone made them. You know, if they if, they, if you venture into waters where they're like the devil made me do it, then it's no longer a commuter question. Uh, but like. <laughs> It really gets down to it's it's an individual's choice on how they get to and from one location. Now the the key to that though is is what's the influences on that choice? You know what's going on in that individual's life or what's available to them to help inform them in making that choice. 
or are they even paying attention to that choice when when they're deciding to do that? Is it just something that they're on autopilot because it's a habit? But ultimately, like I said, the individual is the one that's deciding to take the action to make that trip. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's certainly, um, well, particularly right now with the fact that people are starting to come back and have to remake the choice, mm-hmm. the, the bigger habit forming choice of, of commuting. Um, for the first time in a year and a half. Uh, yeah, this is, this is particularly relevant today. Um, I don't know if people are just kind of stuck in their ways as much as they used to. So I think this is, this is even more relevant now. Um, but how, so, you know, you were saying the, the solution needs to speak to the commuter. What does that mean? How can a solution speak to an individual? It, it's got to make sense. You know, it, you can't be like talking above the, the commuter and like you need to do X, Y and Z. I mean, there, there's only so much attention that you're going to have or so much bandwidth that the individual is going to provide you to be able to talk to them. So you really want to make sure that you're at least uh, putting forth a, a, a solution or an option that makes sense on the on a very basic level. And then from there, you can uh, work with them and refining that and making it something that it's. They're, they're going to do it. They're going to make that trip. And, you know, like it, it's, it's interesting you bring this up. It's like with people returning to work, w- this is the great opportunity for employers and commuters to reassess how they're going to get to and from work or if they are going to work from home and, and have that as part of their, their work-life balance. You know, that, that habit is uh, a really strong pull and, and motivator for people. So, Whenever you're designing a, a commuter program, at least from an employer standpoint, you really look for those opportunities of moments of change. And moments of change are when pe- people are between what they were doing and going to something that they will be doing. So either they're moving to a new location, changing jobs, you know, different family situations. Those those are periods of change that from employers, you only had certain windows that were infrequent. Well, this past year, we've had a moment of change. So really, from an employer standpoint, you want to take advantage of this as a chance to reintroduce the different options that employees may have and really craft it to what might be speaking to them, because they're they're going to want to know more than they had in the past. Yeah, I like that. I think that makes sense. It's uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. So we're saying. We want to make sure as an employer, as some sort of, you know, commute manager that we've got the programs in place that help speak to the commuters problems or, or, you know, solution or situation that they're in right now. Um, And it make and that makes sense. So one of the things, though, that I feel like kind of comes up when we talk about this is, you know, you need to actually be able to get to the, uh, you know, to the, the core of the problem here that a commuter is facing. And I think like one of the things that, that you said um, before we got on as well is that, you know, you need to build these programs that kind of foster strong relationships with the commuters. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? Like, what does that look like from a, you know, manager's perspective or from, you know, an employee transportation coordinator's perspective or whoever might be putting this together? How do you build the programs that actually are fostering these relationships and, and having people um, really consider these alternatives outside of, let's say, driving alone. 
Yeah, you know, and, and this goes back to like, well, if a commute is a personal choice, then you're not going to uh, make a personal decision with someone you don't already have a relationship with or someone that you trust. So what I like to talk about is, is that you need to be able to provide a, a platform or a forum to be able to have conversations to help people through the change curve of getting to trust. And it's really a three three tiered process. And, you know, those who are familiar with me have heard me talk, talk about this, but the first tier is really being, you know, um, relevant. So when you're talking to an individual, you want to make sure that you're putting out information that's relevant and is something that the, the person wants to know. I mean, if someone's driving to work, they're not going to want to talk to you about different bus schedules necessarily. You, you know, you want to start the conversation with that individual about, well, What's, what's the traffic situation like? Where's parking? What's the cost in that? So you, you start to establish a relationship with the, that individual on something that's relevant to them. And then you get into the next next tier, which is, you know, providing value. So you know, you're talking to that person that's driving to work. You, you're telling them where to park, what the costs are. But then you, you start to introduce it's like, well, you know, there's ways that you could maybe reduce your commute times by maybe picking up somebody from work that can help you jump in an HOV lane so that you're you're able to get through traffic a little bit quicker, be able to save money a little bit there. And this is how you do it. Like you don't say this is a great option, but you need to say like, this is a great option and this is how you do it. So now you, you've established that you have some relevant uh, information, some credibility, you're adding value to the conversation so that you're now engaged with that individual, they're listening to you and hopefully what you're providing them is something that they they're they're like yeah you know this this guy or this girl they, they know what they're talking about so that further down the line you get to that that next tier which is like the the holy grail of everything and that's trust and if you've been able to establish trust with the commuter then they're going to listen to you more than them them themselves necessarily about the, a situation so they may not have been willing to try something new because it's unknown but because you've already established a relationship with them, that you've you've had that um, credibility, you add value to their conversation, they can trust you with a recommendation to try something different. So helping the the commuter through that that curve to get to that level of trust is really what you want to do, and know that it, it's it's a it's a process, and it starts with not you know telling someone who drives every day like stop doing it. It's like well yeah you drive every day. This is this is what you want to know and this is how we can help you. I think this is, I mean, that's a really, I think those three things, relevance, value, trust, um, really do get at the, the core of this conversation, which is we need commuters to, you can't get to the trust part without first starting with relevance and value. I think a lot of um, people, you know, through no fault of their own necessarily, they just skip to, here's some great recommendations and they are great recommendations and they would work, but why would someone listen to you um, and, and trust you there? If you haven't first gone through those first couple of steps of relevance value, building that trust over time. So I think that's a really good way to put it. Um, and I liked, I like the example of like, if someone's driving alone, you know, don't just be like, Hey, here's the, the public transit schedule. Did you know that that would work too? Like, well, yeah, I, I in theory know that would work, but it's like, Hey, I bet you know that traffic like is not great, especially where you are in Seattle. Um, you know, it's just like yeah. 
Ah, yes, I can, I can, yeah, I can relate to that. That makes sense. And he said, did you know there's an HOV lane? And I said, oh, I do see people driving there. So you can pick up someone and you can take the HOV lane. It saves you time. You don't have to deal with the traffic as much. And now it's like, okay, thank you. That did work. What else can I do? So I really like that. That was a good example. Do you have any, um, like examples from, you know, your work, you've, you've worked with a lot of organizations and, you know, through ACT as well with partners and other people that are doing this. Do you have any like good examples of programs that kind of have done this well or have fostered this, you know, relevance, value, trust, have really connected with the commuter? Yeah, definitely. So I, I, I'm, I've been familiar with a, a couple of programs and a couple of programs that I've launched out there. And one of the key things is really establishing good communication channels and being able to share information with commuters about what their options are, but also having a way for you to connect with them one-on-one. Uh, back at Swedish, um, we, we were really successful in helping change people's behavior because we, we stepped away from what we were calling a uh, a bullhorn approach and more of a, an individual mm-hmm. conversation approach because the bullhorn approach is like, here are all your choices, figure it out. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and it, there's a lot of good information that we put out there and Swedish was doing a really, really great job in, in having options available where they were struggling with was connecting the individual to those choices. And that's where you get into the individual conversation. So we were able to go to, individual departments, talk to people one-on-one, uh, really get to an understanding of what their individual things are or what those barriers were to then connect them to it. And that gets back into creating things of value. It's, it's not just yelling, hey, here's what's available to you. It's a good idea. It's like, here's what's available to you. It's a good idea. And we're going to help you do that. So here's how you find your carpool. Here's how you know where your bus is going to be at what time. This is how you, you do these things so that you they don't have to do the work on their own because it's already a challenge to get their mindset to change. That's that's where you want them to focus their energy on, changing their mindset. We should be then doing all the other work to, to help them, once their mindset's changed, to be um, supported in making that choice. And that kind of gets at um, the next... Or, the, the kind of crux of this whole thing, which is if we're saying, you know, the commuter is going to help save the planet here. Um, I think one of the questions that a lot of us grapple with in the TDM space is who is the responsibility on? Is this like, do we just need commuters to make a change or is the responsibility on us as, you know, TDM practitioners as, you know, creators and managers of these programs to provide those, those opportunities to make change. Um, like who is the burden on to, you know, positively improve, you know, uh, commuting? Yeah, you, you, the, the simple answer is everyone, you know, uh, yeah, but, you but, but, it is everyone, but it really depends on the situation here. So ultimately the burden of choice is is on the, the individual commuter uh but the the burden on helping that commuter make that choice is on the tdm professionals um the particular burden on an employer is dependent on what their individual employer goals are and then the burden is to help the achieve those goals and, and incorporate the commuter into it so 
um, when it comes down to who, who's, who's responsible for it, everyone's responsible at any given point in time and depending on what the goal is. And so uh, you want to make sure that the, the commuter is supported so that they're able to handle the burden of making that choice. So really, everyone, everyone's responsible at the end of the day. And it's similar to, you know, something I think that maybe a lot of people have seen this shift happen in the sustainability space, like with recycling um, over the last decade or two, where, yeah, the burden is on me to recycle my recyclable, you know, uh, let's say cup from lunch or something. But one, there needs to be a recyclable cup. So there has to be a solution there. And that's what this podcast we're talking about, all these solutions that do exist. But two, it doesn't matter if it's recyclable. I mean, I think a few years ago, I was at like, I don't remember where it was. I was at some museum and everything was compostable. I was like, this is great. And I went to go compost and there was no compost bin. And I was like, well, this is useless then. So what, what's mm -hmm. the point of all this? So, you know, you would need, let's say as an employer to provide the recycle bins, the compost bins for people and you need to put them all over the place so that it's easy to make that choice. You still have to decide to put it into the recycle bin versus the trash. But um, I think that's something maybe people can relate to because over time it's gotten easier to do that. So we can maybe as TDM uh, you know, professionals here, make it so that choosing something other than driving alone is the obvious or easy choice, but it still is obviously, you know, the individual has to make that choice. But I kind of like how that was put. Um, yeah, and, and and you know, just just on that, it's like, yes, you definitely make want to make sure that the things are in place that you know you don't just talk about composting and then not have a bin. You need to have the bin, but yep. the the key there is the education component of it. So you know, you could put the bin out there and everything could be uh, compostable, but if you don't educate the individual, the end user on how they're going to take the compostable thing and put it in the compost bin, then you're, you're not going to really accomplish your goal. So it's very much a, a complete process here that is held together. Like the handshake is held is the communication between you and that commuter to help them make a choice and, uh, and connect to the option that's available to them. It's a, it's the communication. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think that's important. That's the, that's the key here. Mm -hmm. is you can't just throw out programs and assume that people are going to understand them and that it's going to work. You have to, prov you know, you have to actually have those conversations. So you talked about it earlier, shifting from the, the bullhorn of horn approach, which I like that, to, mm -hmm. um, you know, the individual one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and kind of the more, you know, community building. Um, that seems like a good solution. I mean, it, it sounds like it was successful to, at Swedish. Um, is there, is, is this the key? Like, is, is it, is it really come down to communication? Is that the, the kind of the key thing that any organization can do if they need to do one thing, it's just focus on communication and improve that piece. Yeah. Cause communication is the education. So that's, what's really needed. And, you know, um, in honor of Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark 40th anniversary, let, let's use the example of when you know the the, the Germans are digging in the desert, right? They're they're digging yeah, yeah. in the desert. It's this huge operation, you know, railway cars, like hundreds of thousands of guys just digging in the sand, looking for this lost ark. And it turns out that 
they were digging in the wrong place because they didn't have all the information available to them. So then Indy comes in, you know, he's like, I'm aware I'm, I'm awesome. Um, I have all the information and I know where to dig. So like the Germans were in there for, I don't know how many months digging around for the lost Ark, and Indy shows up and is able to find the Ark in a day because he knew what, what to do. So yeah, if you had to invest in, what's going to be the most, uh, the quickest way to success. It's, it's going to make sure that you're educating your commuter population on what they need to do. And, you know, that's, that's the key because it's again on the individual to make that choice. You're not going to be showing up in the morning, knocking on the door saying, go take the bus. But what you're going to do is make sure that when that person gets up in the morning, that they have all the information in front of them to make a decision to take or ride the bus that day. So in other words, you know, be, be Indiana Jones, don't be the German archaeology team. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is, this is one of the reasons we brought you on, Mark. I mean, mm-hmm. only, only you on between the lines that we're going to start talking about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But it's a perfect, it really is. It's a perfect uh, way to think about it because um, it's true. It is true. I mean, no one's just going to like jump into a van pool without knowing anything about it, without mm-hmm. having that conversation with people um, who do it and, kind of understand the benefits, understand what it looks like. Um, just providing it is is not quite going to get there for you. Um, I think that's great. And honestly, I think that might be a good, I think that's like a really good place to kind of stop here because I don't know how you could get better than Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, so it's an awesome movie. It is, it is. I didn't even know it was the 40th anniversary. Wow. Yeah, we're all... Um, <laughs> That's pretty fun. So yeah, let's just move into our, our final question here. Um, we've talked about a bunch of different things we're kind of talking about here. Like I said, it's an unorthodox episode. We're talking about the commuter and why the commuter is going to help save the planet, but we're really talking about why we can help the commuter save the planet or how we can help the commuter save the planet. Um, but just to summarize what we're talking about, can you tell us in just a couple of sentences, why this approach, why the commuter is going to help save the planet. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, this approach is going to help uh, save the planet because this is going to help the individuals that need to make those changes that will save the planet make those changes. So um, it's I'm not going to save the planet on my own. Uh, but hopefully a number of people or a lot of people or everyone out there who make collective decisions to uh, about how they're going to get to and from work will have um, a positive impact. You know, we're not talking about everyone giving everything up that they've used to do or, you know, switching from driving to, to, to biking. This is about collective accomplishments of individual choices. So really making meaningful change by gaining on the margins and then as a whole, we can we can make that that change that we need to see. So really that's why you want to focus on a commuter. And the only way you're gonna get the commuter to do anything is if you start listening to them and giving programs that they want. Well said, Mark. That's really well said. I I think that I'm glad we've we've had this episode. It really gets at the core of this whole question of like how can we save the planet using the commute as as the mechanism to do it. Um, Everyone who's who's listened so far, thanks for for listening. Make sure you you know watch us talk as well on YouTube. 
um, and go subscribe to our email list at betweenthelines.io. We'll send an email out every week with just some more information um, from the conversation to kind of learn a bit more. Um, and make sure you follow us on whether it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or, or Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a like or a rating. Um, it really helps. And come back next week because we're continuing to talk about those solutions Mark alluded to. You need to have the conversations, understand what's needed, but then you need to actually have something to provide to them once it's there. So keep coming back and listening about that. We're having some really interesting conversations. Um, Mark? We have one final question for you, like we do with everyone. Uh, we're building this uh, Spotify music playlist for the few of us or the many of us who unfortunately have a longer commute than 24 minutes. Um, so can you tell us what song or songs you want to add to that playlist? Oh, man, that, that, that's, that's, that's a good question because, yeah, like – with my commute, it's, there's always a soundtrack involved, whether I'm, I'm walking by, I can take the bus or even driving uh, to work. But if I had to pick one song, I think, you know, I think you're up in Canada, right, Andy, right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, all right. I, want, I, want to, I want to give a nod to all of our friends, our neighbors to the north up here and say that right now, the song I'd pick is uh, Head by a Century by the Tragically Hip. <laughs> nice. I like it. I like the nod. Thank you. Appreciate it. Just moved to Canada, so... Um, I can't claim, um, you know, I can't thank you for, on behalf of all Canadians, but at least on behalf of this temporary one, I appreciate it. Um, I, I think being a fan of the Tragically Hip is part of like the, the whole like citizenship like test, yeah, right? You can't, yeah, it, like, it's you like question one. Man, yeah, so like, do you exactly like the, right. the hip? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, just doing some Canadian education here. I like it. Um, perfect, Mark. Thanks for being on. Everyone, thanks for listening or watching, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Between the Lines with Andy Keaton. Be sure to subscribe to hear next week's episode and check out our exclusive commuter playlists on Spotify.